0: Can I share a story with you guys? Totally nothing to do with my notes right now. But can I just share a funny story with you guys? Okay, so I have a good friend here, okay? And he actually started with my wife. She got me hooked on coffee, okay? (laughs) And I have another friend here that's kind of just been lately introducing to me some other coffee. And he does a whole, you know, just a lot of special stuff to it that I don't even understand. I just drink it. That's it. Okay. And lately, actually all of 2018 this year, I've been doing no sugar, no cream, just black coffee. And I actually like it. I actually like it. It's not that bad. It takes time to get used to it, but I actually like it. So I'm at Meyer, right, and I'm going through the aisle of the coffee. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try something different, you know. And so I find the Cafe premium, roasted bag and everything. I'm like, all right, I'm trying something different. And I take it home. This is, again, I remind you, last week, okay? All week I'm going and I'm, you know, we're making this coffee. We have a cup in the morning, uh, maybe one more in the midday or whatever. But, you know, we're going through this bag. Marty and I are, again, we just, we, what we like to do is we like to drink coffee. Sometimes we'll read or discuss some stuff. Just, just something that we have all the time. Now, the last, like, three days, okay, the last three days, I'm just, like, tired I want to take a nap. I napped, was it yesterday, babe? Was it yesterday? For two hours. It was 4.30 and I woke up at 6.30. I Okay, if you understood, I'm not a napper. I don't nap. I would rather like fight it so I can get a good night's sleep. And I have four children and I never get that good night's sleep, okay? But I'm not a person that takes a nap. And so I'm like, man, what's going on? Well, even the day before that, on Friday, I took another nap, you know, and I'm going to bed at 7.30 at night. It's just like, what is the deal? This stuff does not work. So last night, all right, I'm, the, the bag is empty. And I remember making it yesterday morning. I put the last, uh, almost to the end. I I made some coffee, and I realized, oh, I need another bag. But I'm never buying Cafe again because this stuff doesn't affect. It's not even affecting me right now. Like, this stuff is so weak. It's all going in my head, by the way. I will never say it to its face. So (laughs) I love you, McDonald's. No, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, But, you know, and and I do the whole deal. And last night, (laughs) Maddie's making coffee. Or you're just looking at the coffee, you're not even making it. you're just looking at the coffee. And I just hear some laughing. <laughs> and, I'm in, and I'm like, I don't know where I was at, and I, and I hear her, and I'm like, what? And she goes, look what you bought. And I said, what? It's almost done, i got to get another bag. It's decaf! And I'm like, what? It's decaf? So now that explains it. <laughs> and my awesome wife, my beautiful wife, tells everybody here, so, when I come to say, hey, good morning, happy Sunday, like, hey, so I hurt, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they're laughing at me. I'm like, okay, okay, my wife beat me to you guys. So, I think that's just a funny story. I'm not an addict, I'm not addicted. I just like coffee. That's it. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. Today's a day you made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it, Father God. We thank you that we can stand on your word and in your promises, Father God. I thank you for, for just being the living God in our lives. Lord, we push away anything. And everything, that's a distraction in our minds, Lord. We open up our hearts. We stand vulnerable. We humble ourselves right now. Every hat that we wear, whether it's a title or or an identity, Father God, we place that down at the foot of the cross to receive you as a a child, Father God, and that, that we can receive your word with whole hearts. We can be transformed and changed for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say... Amen. Well, today's a very special day. Today is Palm Sunday. How many of you guys knew that? Make some noise. Okay, so about half of us knew that. And I think it's a good thing because honestly, in my first mm, seven years of my Christian walk, I had no idea what was Palm Sunday. I had no idea until they started teaching it from the pulpit. And I realized, oh, this is something that we should be celebrating every year. And so if you don't know, today we celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus going into the the city of Jerusalem okay this is where Jesus rides the donkey and he goes in and if you guys did not know this also marks the beginning everyone say beginning this marks the beginning of Jesus' journey to the cross to the resurrection and to the ascension and where he's at today and I personally believe with all my heart even the word of God is there that the journey is not over for Jesus because there's still where well, we're going to meet him up in the clouds as a church. There's still the second return of Christ. There's still the millennial and the new Jerusalem still to come. The journey is not done. It's not done. And so today we, uh, we celebrate his uh, triumphal entry. Okay, now in Matthew, by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, the Gospels, uh, they have different accounts of this story, but I'm going to read out of Matthew. This is Matthew 21, the first 11 verses. And it says, as they, and they being Jesus and uh, and the disciples, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey, Tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Verse four, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse six. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. I'll pause there for a second. I'm going to say that one more time. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And I think the principle out of that, or the teaching that we can get out of that, is even though it might have been uncomfortable, imagine being one of the two disciples, them telling, Jesus telling them to go over there, grab that donkey, and if they ask you any questions, just tell them I need it. I mean, I would probably be like, wait, hold on, I'm going to go over there and grab something that's theirs, and, but just tell them the Lord needs it, okay? And so they had to show an act of obedience, and because they obeyed, I mean, they were a part of this journey, of getting ready for the triumphal entry into Jerusalem with Jesus. And so what we can get out of that is as a disciple, things sometimes won't make sense. But if he instructs us to do something, we do it. It's simple. We do it. It's always going to be ending up for his glory when we follow his instructions. All right, verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Isn't it cool how we look at Jesus? Everywhere Jesus goes, it always says there is a very large crowd. I mean, think about the influence that Jesus was already having. I mean, if we could say it, if we would kind of use, uh, I guess, paraphrase it, our language at that time, Jesus was already going viral. He was everywhere. I mean, he was, he was all the Twitter, all the Facebook, it, it was everywhere. Because understand it, just before he just raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, he did all these miracles of healing. He was everywhere. And so people knew that. Verse 8, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Eddie, can you grab me those branches real quick? Now, these are palm branches. Now, imagine these guys breaking them off the tree and they were laying them before Jesus as he's riding the donkey they're laying him before Jesus verse uh, 9 the crowds the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest heaven that's worship that is expressed love towards jesus Whether they were in tune or not out of tune or whatever it was, they were worshiping by giving Jesus the most highest praise you can possibly give. Hosanna into the most highest, the son of David. Let me remind you, he's not at the cross yet. This is the beginning of that journey to the cross. Verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city, this is my favorite part, the whole city was stirred. The whole city, not half, not 17th and 18th Street and River, the whole entire city was stirred up, okay, and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered. That means there's more than one person that said something. The crowds answered, this is Jesus. Let that echo in your heart. This is Jesus, okay, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Galilee, Galilee. Let it echo in your heart. The passion that these guys had, knowing that there is a king that's going to bring redemption for all mankind, for the Israelites, that there is a king that is, is a stepping before them right now that's in their presence. Now, when you look at Jesus on the donkey, when you look at the people waving the branches and, and, and laying them down, when you look at the, the city that's being stirred up, all it is is just fulfilling an earlier prophecy in the Old Testament. They, they prophesied this already. Because when you go to Zechariah 9.9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout. Look, I said shout like four times. I just need everyone to shout. On the count of three. One, two, three, Shout. Whoo. Right. We got to get into that mode. All right. it says, shout, daughter, Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Your king comes to you. Ever watch movies, maybe medieval times or shows or series that are on, maybe on Netflix? I don't know. And, and, and you have to go to the king for something. You have to present yourself, and, and before, I mean, everyone's terrified going in the presence of the king. They can't mess it up, and they have to come to the king. And the king, and usually the picture is the king is sitting on the throne, and then pretty much says, go ahead, or whatever, you know, you need a request, or whatever, and they do it there, or they're performing, or, or something's going on. But no, 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 Jesus, king of all kings, okay, he, he goes to them. Zechariah prophesied, see, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Let that sit for a second, a king that is willing to come to us. And if you look at the characteristic of our Heavenly Father, he did that at the birth of Jesus, where God Almighty humbled himself Went to a lowly position and came to earth in flesh form to come save us. We see this king already coming to us. Even, even some shepherds saw the revelation of, of the Messiah being born. Okay? Now, it's cool that we see that, that Jesus rode on a donkey. And did you know that a donkey represents Peace. Biblically, that the, the donkey represents peace. Jesus could have rode on a horse. He could have rode on an elephant. He could have rode on a camel. He could even rode on a, on a chariot. But he chose to ri- ride on a, on a donkey, on a donkey. And I believe he really, he, he chose a donkey because he understood his message for the people. That his, men- his message had the intentions of peace. That his message had the intentions of peace, peaceful, and that he was going to bring victory before everybody, for everybody. Now, people laid and waved their, their palm branches, and what they pretty much did is they laid them down or they waved them. I mean, again, I'm very visual, but I've seen shows and movies where the king is lying back, okay, and they're dropping a grape. You guys know, and then what, what are all the people doing? Maybe you want to, Pastor Daniel, you no, I'm just joking. I'm jo- totally joking. But I'm very visual. <laughs> okay, and you guys know what I'm talking about? But the intentions of these palm branches were not that. Actually, it symbolizes victory. The palm branch symbolizes victory. And they knew that they were willing to go to the branch, out the tree, snap, all right, Jesus is coming. And it says they waved and they laid. Which means Jesus, when he entered the city of Jerusalem, was already walking in victory. He's already walking in victory. Doing what we got. You guys can give it up for Jesus. I mean, he's. But understand this, church, that the people there didn't know the road he was about to take, though. They knew they had revelation inside. This is the Messiah. Okay, the chosen one, the anointed one is what Scripture would say. But they didn't understand the road he was about to take. Okay, a lot of times we filter things through our mind, think, well, it's going to happen this way. But reality is, no, God has an ultimate plan and he knows what he's doing to impact eternity and for his people. And because they didn't know and Jesus did, Jesus had the opportunity to continue to stay obedient to his heavenly father as well. He said, I only speak and do what the Father tells me to do. And he knew this was the journey, the road he had to take for all of mankind. And because of an act of obedience that Jesus, okay, I'll say that again, an act of obedience that Jesus did. Today we do celebrate Palm Sunday. Today we do celebrate a risen king. And so church... I think it's very important, and I encourage you guys, go into Matthew chapter 21, read it, go through all the Gospels, look at different accounts of this event that happened with Jesus, because the church needs to understand that this is where it began for Jesus to the road, to the cross, from the cross to the grave, to the grave, to on heaven. I think there's a song about it, right? Right? (laughs) I just, I'm going back to when I was a kid. There's a song about it. How does it go? Anybody? No, no one wants to sing. All right, fine. (laughs) Dinah, how does it go? Yeah. yeah, I put her on the spot. Okay, anyways, understand that because of Jesus' obedience, we celebrate a risen king. And the way the people, okay, the way the people, as they're getting ready for their, the, the entrance of, of, of Jesus, the way the people and what they were doing, all that they were doing was preparing themselves, preparing their hearts, their spirit, soul, and body for this Jesus to come. And what they were doing is that they were declaring, they were claiming the victory already before it all happened. And at the same time, we need to do the same thing. We need to declare the victory that has already been given to us. But so many times the church puts the head down because, oh, you know, people don't understand and I am going through a rough time. And I get it. Yes, life can throw curveballs at us sometimes. I get that. But what happens when the moment we get struck down? and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you get back up again because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that's living within us gets us back up. And so for us to have a knowledge and an understanding, I guess a revelation of it, we need to make sure we encounter God. We have to understand that we have the victory in Jesus Christ, and we can see that through all his scriptures. Now, when you go to the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 17, we won't go there right now. It's a long, long story, and I encourage you, 1 Samuel 17, jot that down. 1 Samuel 17, you'll see the story of David and Goliath. And you see where David, who's just a little shepherd boy, doing his thing, the youngest out of all the brothers that he has, shepherding, hanging out with the sheep, learning to be a leader, by the way has this event happen where his dad sends him to the army where the Philistines and the Israelites are going to battle or they're supposed to be battling. But it's a lot of trash talking. And Goliath the Philistine is intimidating the whole army of Israel. Not only intimidating, but he's bashing on the name of their God. And when David comes and gets sent from, dad, from his dad and comes all the way to the battle line and sees this unfold, something stirs Up in him. Everyone say stirs up. (laughs) Something stirs in him. And this righteous, I believe this is righteous anger. Who is this Philistine? Who is this guy talking trash to our living God? And long story short, what ends up happening is that the victory is already at hand because of what he claims already. Before The stone, before he slung it and it hit the forehead and dropped Goliath dead, before all that, he called it out. He called it out. And he knew, because I come in the name of the living God, of the living Lord, you will be delivered to me. And he had the victory before the actual victory came. Church, we have the exact same thing in this life. When giants come in your life, When, when, in other words, problems or issues or something comes in your life, God has given you everything you need to sling the word at that giant and drop it dead because the victory is already in your hands. It's already in your hands. But again, I, I see that the church puts the head down. And what do I do? It is so important, church, and I'm talking to the people, to stay connected, to stay protected, that when you need prayer, you get your band of brothers and sisters to say, hey. We're calling this thing out, okay? And when you have a friend that is God-fearing and can say, look, I get what you're going through, but let me tell you something. You have victory. You have it all right now in the name of the Lord. When you have a friend that can do that, you keep them, and you hold them close, and you walk life with them. You walk life with them. Again, the people, all they did was they prepared. They prepared themselves for the victory that was coming. Jesus is coming now, and it's a triumphal entry of Jesus. And what they were doing is already claiming the victory. The way David claimed his victory, the way uh, the, the, the people claimed the victory of Jesus Christ, we can do the same. Now, I'm going to share three ways. There are many ways, okay? There are always many ways when I give some type of teaching. But I'm only going to share three ways, okay, that we could prepare our hearts or you can prepare your heart, okay? And the first way is this. Uh, Are we good on the screens? Okay, good. Prepare your heart for God's word. I'll say that again. Prepare your heart for God's word. In James chapter one, verse 19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Okay, I underlined that part. Take note of this, because I believe God's not saying not just the tablets and the pen that's in your hand, but the tablets of your heart. I'm about to say something that needs to stick with you for the rest of your life. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, everyone say humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you. I'll say that again. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And I don't believe it's just the salvation he's talking about, but also from circumstances. Have you ever faced something and you didn't know what to do, but a scripture came to you and you knew you could do it now? Or this is the route or direction you need to take to follow integrity or, 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 or some type of uh, just to do the right thing because you knew God would want you to do the right thing. His word saved you. At that, for that one circumstance right there. He says, humbly accept it as it's planted into your heart. In other words, this passage is saying we have to have four attitudes. Four attitudes, okay? And the first one is you must be quiet. Be quiet. Look at your neighbor and say, be quiet. Be nice, though. <laughs> be quiet so you can hear God speak. I believe a majority of the time, that we say, we, I just don't know what God wants us to do, is because we're talking too much. We're requesting too much. And God needs that quiet time with you. And he's saying, hey, sit still, be quiet, let me speak. And when we are quiet in his presence, he speaks. Church, he speaks to you directly. Second one is, you have to be calm. Be calm. Don't rush God. Because his timing is perfect. I was taught one time, we tend to put due dates on things that we're believing for, but God's not about due dates. God's about divine appointments. There are times you're going to be doing something in life not even realizing there's someone you're going to cross in path and there's something God wants to do right there. And it may be inconvenient for your schedule, but it's the perfect timing for his and there are many times I thank God for the friends I had in my life that were believers already that ultimately led me to Jesus because they were following divine appointments, not due dates, but divine appointments. The third one is that you must, tr- uh, you must be true. Confess your sins, your struggles to God, don't hide it from Him. Confess them. He's ready to give you the mercy. That he wants to pour into your lap. A lot of times we'll tend to, we'll tend to hide. Okay, I'm gonna speak for myself. What I used to do was I used to hide behind the word if that makes sense. I knew I had maybe bitterness in my heart towards a person or a past or whatever. And so knowing what the Bible would tell me to do is forgive and, 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 and move forward and be restored, I said, Well, that's what God wants me to do. That's how I am. So when people would ask me, How are you doing? I say, Oh, I'm fine. God is good. Glory to God. And in reality, my heart was still hurting. It wasn't addressed. I hid behind the word, not applied the word in my heart. I just hid it because, you know what, God, that's how you want me to be? I'm going to be that way. And what was happening was I was under my own strength. And so God said, no, I need you to confess and come to me, the struggles that you're having. Be open, be vulnerable, because when you're open, my hands are in, and I am working in you. And the last one is you, you need to be humble, okay? You need to be humble. Be ready to do what God tells, God's word tells you to do. Be a doer, not just a hearer is what a scripture says. You know, I heard this story the other day, and it said, imagine you're a garden, okay? Imagine you're a garden, and you understand that if seed was planted into you, it can produce different results in different areas of your garden, Now, in one spot, you plant the seed, and big tomatoes grow. In another spot, you plant that same seed, and small tomatoes grow. And in another spot, in the same garden, you plant the seed, and nothing grows. Nothing. Now, the seed is all the same. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the soil that there's an issue with. And wherever maybe there was, there was, the fruit was bigger, maybe the soil was more richer or, or it was broken down or it can receive and take root of that seed. And in a sense, we have to look at ourselves that way. Because I know when I was uh, a lot younger and people were ministering the word of God all the way, I think till I was 11 is when I remember, I mean, I actually have a visual in my head of someone speaking and sharing the gospel to me, but I just was rejecting it because there was something going on in my heart. The word, the seed was always the same, but my, the soil of my heart was hard. And, again, a lot of you guys know my testimony. I had a friend who walked with me from seventh grade all the way through high school, even after high school, who was his mission was to till the ground in my heart, till the ground, till the ground. Whether it was, hey, come still hang out with me. Hey, let's go do this. Hey, you know, let me. I was into rap back then. Okay, And he was willing, that's not his genre, but he was willing to look for Christian rappers so I can listen to And he will listen with me. And he would rap with me. <laughs> I do that because it was not rapping. <laughs> it's just a bunch of words <laughs> that we didn't know what we were saying. And we just threw Jesus in there every once in a while. <laughs> he was willing to till ground. And then one day, September 4, 2005, the same seed that was thrown at me all those years comes in, and now I'm good soil. And it took root, and the rest is history. The rest is, it's, 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 when you humble yourself, it's the soil in your heart. You understand that the people that are around you, maybe you're that person that has to till that ground. They're just not getting it. I see nothing producing out of them. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to till the ground then. And remember, God's about divine appointments, not due dates. We expect to flip right now. Like, get this in there. Come on, I want to see the crops go up. And no, 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 no. God's also a patient God. Now, I shared those four, uh, um, I guess, attributes or attitudes that we're supposed to have under that one, that first point that I had. The second point is this. Prepare your heart for worship. Everyone say worship prepare your heart for worship. Hebrews 10:22 says, "Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilt, conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water." In other words, clean. Okay? Matthew 18:20 says, "For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them." There's more than two or three in this room. By the way, Psalms 101, shout for the joy of the Lord. All earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. When we prepare our hearts for worship, worship melts the heart. It melts The heart That's the best way I can explain it. It melts the heart. The atmosphere is changed the moment we're in worship. And when we gather together like we did this morning, uh, we worship a living God, we start changing. We start changing from the inside out. For instance, example, I guess. Have you ever worshiped? And let's just say it was a good song. One of your favorite, okay? Just think of that favorite one right now, okay? Hosanna. No, I won't sing. Okay. So. What We're worshiping, and you're in it, and you're pressing God in, and you're like, God, I love you, and you're worshiping, and all of a sudden, the first thing comes to you is like, man, why did I yell at my kids this morning? <laughs> why did I answer harshly to her or him, you know, or why did I do this? And, and all of a sudden, you, you have this repenting type of, God, I just want to do everything you want me to do, and, you know, I love you, the tears start flowing, or am I the only one that's gone through that? Worship melts the heart. And well, actually what's happening is you're, bringing, you're giving revelation. You're seeing, man, there are areas I still need Jesus in that I want to just hand over to him. I want to give to him. And when we worship, there's something about it where it melts our hearts. And we become vulnerable. Now rem- let me remind you, when you think of something melting, it's easily able to form into whatever it's being shaped by. For instance, you put water, H2O, you put water in a bottle. I mean, and if you would put it in that bottle, it's probably the shape of the bottle, correct? You put it on the ground, it's going to be the shape of the ground, flat. And so when you're melted before the Lord, when you allow worship and prepare your heart to worship, him, not just on a Sunday morning, but every day of your life, because you're just expressing the love of Christ, you're allowing him to mold and shape you the way he wants you to be in his image and the way he wants you to be. And the last point is this, prepare your hearts, okay, to stir others up. Prepare your heart to stir others up. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some. But encouraging, everyone say encouraging. Encouraging encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are a body for a reason, the body of Christ. Now, I understand that we all have different giftings, okay? Some are able to talk and quote scripture. Some are able to love and express the love of, of Christ to anybody, even if it's through a simple handshake. They just have that ability. Whatever it is, maybe prof- you're more prophetic or, or, or you memorize Scripture that can be encouraging. I know the one thing my wife would always tell me is that you're pretty good at encouraging. And I and I, I want to operate in that because that's what God gave me. I don't want to act like anybody else. Because if I'm trying to compare myself or be like somebody else that God didn't design me to be, not, not the fact that they're doing anything wrong, but they're operating in their gifting, then I'm not stirring the people up around me. God made me Jesse Cabrera, and I will operate the way he gave me. He says, I'm going to encourage you, then I'm going to encourage. He says, I can pray, and I'm going to pray for others. He says, you can give prophetic words, and I'm going to do it when he tells me to do it. One of of the giftings that Pastor Danny has, I know I'm picking on you today, but one of the things that I love about Pastor Danny is that he just knows how to express grace, truth, and love easy and reminds me. He's a great reminder, a reminder in my life. And I'm talking for me personally, because when I think I got it, he tells me, you don't got it. He's got it. And I realize, man, humble myself, got it. What's your gifting that can stir people up around you? (laughs) Is it just hanging out and being the light of the party? I know my wife is that way. And if you've gotten the privilege to know her, she can make a, a room light. And I, and I say that on purpose, but she can make a room light. She just knows how to, how to, how to talk and communicate with people because she's operating in her gifting. What's your gifting, church? Because when we all band together, when we gather together as a church, we are operating as one body with one head. And Jesus Christ, Prepare yourself, again, for your heart to worship. Prepare yourself, prepare your heart to receive God's word and prepare yourself in your heart to stir others up. This is not just for this season because Easter's next week, but this is every single day of our lives. Heaven can hit earth because you're the doorway. You are the direct access in somebody's life to introduce Jesus. I know when I was um, uh, younger, my mom would teach me to ho- open the door for ladies, you know, just open it, just to be a gentleman. My son is doing that now. He opens my door. He opens my, my, my daughter's door. He opens his mother's door. He opens everybody's door. He's just a door opener, okay? But what he does, I love it because we have a, a minivan, and he's, we have, again, three rows. He's way in the back, and he sees mom coming. Maybe we're waiting for mom, and she's coming in. Man, he's hooping and jumping over everybody and just gets it up, and then, oh, there you go, mom. And I'm like, dude, my coffee, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but the passion he has for that to open the door because he understands this is going to let her in. I don't want mom to be locked out. That's his mindset as, a, as an 8-year-old boy right now. And it's cold outside. I want to make sure mom gets in. And because he opens the door, easy access for my wife to just get in and close it right there. She's, she's good. You were called to be that door opener as well. You're that, like that doorway to introduce Christ. I'm cold, it's dark out here. Let me open that door for you. Hey, have you met? Do you know? Can I share? Let me introduce you to him. Walk through this door, watch him. Watch him get to your heart. You are the ones, church. Maybe you know that already, that's awesome. But you're the ones that needs to open that door for others that you know around. Think about it for a second. Think of one person that you know needs Christ, because you've said it. Man, they need Jesus. Man, they need Jesus. Think of that person for a second. They need Jesus. Have you genuinely, lovingly, kindly opened the door for them? Have you? Because Jesus wants you to. He says, stir my people up. Stir them up, because the city needs to be stirred. You see, when Jesus, when he did that victorious, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, when they yelled out, Hosanna, the highest praises, and they laid the the palm branches, and he was walking in victory already, the scripture that I just read to you said, it stirred the whole city. And when you live for a living God, a God who is triumphant already in your life, a God that you praise and say, Hosanna, the most highest praise, wherever you go, you're going to stir the city of Holland up. That's a charge. That's a charge for you guys. Church, prepare to stir it up. I don't want to offend anybody. Let me tell you something. Everywhere Jesus went, someone was offended. Only if he knew who he was eating with. Only if he knew if he was the son of God. Who? How dare you blasphemy? Read it. But how did Jesus handle it? With love and correction. And... Demonstration. No one can argue your story. Nobody can argue your story. Demonstrate Jesus before the people around you. Stir him up. You know, I remember as a kid, Kool Aid was one of my favorite drinks. Okay? Kool Aid. I have a lot of kid stories. (laughs) I knew there was going to be redemption out of Kool Aid. So. But I would get the, I I used to love, I I love making the Kool-Aid, okay? Not just because I could drink it out of the big spoon. And my mom gets so mad at me because I'm just (laughs) all day. Some of you guys had kids. Maybe you were that kid at one point. You know what I'm talking about, okay? But to see the color, does that make sense (laughs) at all? The powder just go from, you know, just coming in the middle and just kind of absorbing the whole water. You know, and I would open that packet, fill up the water or the pitcher with water, open the packet, and pour it. And it would just get in there, and it would just kind of slowly take over the water. But when you stirred it, and you got the rhythm going to the point, like, yeah, it ain't spilling now, and you move around like, yep, I'm not spilling anywhere because I got the rhythm going, okay? Stirring it up, the whole water became Kool-Aid for everyone to enjoy. Allowing Jesus, again, to take over in your life and those around you The reason why I believe Jerusalem was stirred up because Jesus was like that (laughs) Kool-Aid. The moment it got in the picture, the moment it got into your picture, and we stir it up or people stir it up with us, it's going to take total control. Now that water is no longer water. You can't separate it back to water. It's Kool-Aid. Does that make sense? It's Kool-Aid. Stir yourself up with the word of God. Stir others around you with no shame. Let's go ahead and pray. Close our eyes and bow our head. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for this opportunity to just be ministered of your word, Father. Lord, I thank you so much for the stirring in my heart that you've given me, the stirring of these people's heart that you've given them, Father, the giftings of heart, uh, that, that with the seed that was planted in our hearts, Father God. That we know we can walk out of these doors changed and transformed for eternity, Father God. But it all starts with you, Jesus. Church, here's your invite. Maybe it's the first time you heard Jesus in a way of not realizing that that he is the doorway to eternal salvation. I mean, Revelations 3 talks about how when Jesus knocks, you allow him in, he will eat with you. Romans talks about when you you confess with your mouth and and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you will be saved and never be separated from him again. But it all starts with that doorway named Jesus. Now, I'm going to put two invites in one. If you know you need Jesus, this is the very first time that you're calling him into your life and saying, Lord, forgive me. I want to worship you in the most highest praise. Come into my heart. Bible says call in his name and you be saved the second invite is I know this but I've walked away from the faith I've done my own thing I'm not stirring myself up I'm not stirring anybody up I kind of got to a point where I really don't care and life's been hard but I want to come back that's called recommitting on any of those invites on the count of three With boldness and with confidence, run into the Father with open arms. I want you to shoot your hand up. One, I need Jesus. Two, I want Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up. God bless you back there. God bless you. 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 This is a calling for you. Jesus wants to be up in your Kool Aid in a sense and wants you. Him and Him for you. There's purpose. Church, there was a handful of people that raised their hand. I need your help. I want you to pray with them as you follow the words I have. Everyone, put one hand over your heart. I want to put the other hand in the sky. Just a symbol of faith that I'm putting my trust in you, Jesus and repeat after me say Heavenly Father I come before you right now broken but I know I can be restored when I put my trust in you Lord forgive me of all the wrongs I've committed the times that I hurt you forgive me Lord I believe in the name of Jesus I know he's alive today And I know his spirit can make a dwelling in me. Make a home right now in me. I love you, Lord. Guide my life. Take me wherever you want me to go. So I can bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.